0: I have decided to have some church this morning. We we jump into a new series, a couple of messages, and I want to talk about something. And you can see sort of the theme behind the words, you know, the water. We'll talk about a few things this morning, but what I want, I want in the series and what I want to drill down on this morning. Uh, We are going to have a baptism service at the end of the month. On April 24th, we're going to have a baptism service. And um, I'll have a baptism service uh, for one person. And that's exactly, someone said, I want to be baptized. Can I do it? Absolutely, we'll make it happen. But I want to sort of unpack... Because as I said, we were challenged this weekend. I'm privileged to be a part of the board of ministry, the district board of ministry. It's an incredible responsibility and um, we don't take lightly. I was just informed recently that I was appointed to the board because of a vacancy. And so get it in gear. I had to open the manual. What is the responsibility of the board of ministry? So I'm looking through here and... um, I thought, well, okay, vacancies can be appointed. The district superintendent apparently appointed me to be a part of this like, eight or 12 person, eight or 10 person board. And we were challenging um, um, renewals of district licenses. We get to decide if the people are sort of progressing in that process and able to, to go forward. And... People that have accomplished all of the things, met all the requirements in preparation to get ordained by the church of the Nazarene as a, 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 an official member of the clergy an elder in the church of the Nazarene. It's a big deal. It's a big, big deal. And so we talked about you know what does the Lord's Supper mean to you, and they shared what we want. We were looking for certain things: are they understanding the doctrine and the polity of the Church of the Nazarene? Are you, or is this candidate? And it's very much a hot seat situation. I mean, anyone that's been ordained, we sat there. It's the it's the candidate, if you will, and the, and his wife or her husband depending on who it is and it's very much in a hot seat situation so there's a U-shaped uh, gathering of tables with a DS looking you right in the eye and all of these board members sitting on the side and, and you're sitting there in two chairs and it's very much like okay it's go time do you have a knowledge and the answers that we're looking for, for as far as the polity of the Church of the Nazarene so we were talking about the Lord's Supper what does that mean and they would unpack that a little bit okay cool good they understand the doctrine of the Lord's Supper. And then we brought up, um, I brought up to them, knowing that this, this sermon was coming, and I said, what, is, what does baptism mean to you? And we start talking about that. And the district superintendent, Reverend Dan Eddings, looked around and he said, you know, isn't it something that we say as the Church of the Nazarene that we, we practice two, only two, sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper? And we have the Lord's Supper elements ready when we need them. And they're always, you know, where we prepare. And yet, how many of our churches have baptistries? Not too many. We're all pastors on this board and we're looking at one another and like, no, 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 no. Like, we don't have baptistries. Like, why is that not emphasized and important? And do we do it enough? I want to unpack this morning what, what it's critical For Christians, for believers to understand the importance and priority of water baptism. I want to talk about this morning and unpack a little bit of a teaching moment. Are you okay with a little bit of that in church? A little bit about what it is and what it isn't. And today, I believe in my heart, 100%, it's, it's going to be a day when people realize how important it is that, that they are baptized. And if you've already been baptized, it's the day that you might actually find out what it really means. And it may confirm some things or reveal some things for you this morning. But I know this. And you probably know it too. I've met some people through the years, right? Who who uh, are Jesus followers? And oh, another thing that was said this weekend: you know that Jesus never said worship me; he said follow me. And we all went, huh? Jesus never said worship me; he said follow me. And so for years, Jesus followers, people who are committed to the Lord Jesus. There are plenty of people who who say, yes, I'm a Jesus follower. And they've never been baptized. They just maybe never understood the priority of baptism. But it's so, so, so important. The Lord gave us these two ordinances, two ceremonies, that He wanted us to observe as long as we worship together. One is communion, the Lord's Supper. And the other is water baptism. We went through membership class, we're, we're, um, well, the last class is next week. No amens from the membership class. Silence. <laughs> Zip. Hey, The last one is coming. We've been through some churchy words, we've been through some things, and we've talked over some things, and we're talking a little bit about um, uh, what those sacraments are now. We've kind of reached that point in membership class where we're talking about baptism and the Lord's Supper. And baptism is something um, that is uh, commanded by Jesus, right? Jesus Christ Himself. Uh, Matthew chapter 28. We'll be bopping around a little bit to cover this whole idea of baptism. But we're going to start here in Matthew 28. And it's crucial that we start here. Matthew 28, verse 19. And this is called the great... Come on, Sunday School. Commission. Go, therefore, or therefore go... (laughs) And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus Himself tells the disciples and us that we are to go into the world and make disciples. Okay, we're going to make disciples. Jesus, what next? He says, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the Great Commission, right? This is the Great Commission. This is what we're set out to do. This is the Great Commission, Matthew 28. I mean, it's cross-stitched on pillows. It's on calendars. It's on posters. And it's on posts all around the world, all the time. The Great Commission, Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them. And when it comes to baptism... The word of God is very, very clear. As followers of Christ, after the decision to to, to receive Christ, we need to be baptized. And it's, it's you could say that baptism in this in the Scripture. This is the words of Jesus. Baptism is as important as the Great Commission. It's in the same sentence. The Word of God is very clear, very, very clear, as followers of Christ, as disciples of Christ that have been made, right? They go for and make disciples, disciples, learners, followers of Christ, baptize them. Boom, boom, there it is. After the decision to receive Christ as our Savior, we need to be baptized. So why? Why don't people... Get baptized. Don't yell at me for my missing apostrophe. Why don't people, people who love God, why don't they get baptized? There's a few objections that I've heard throughout the years, and you may have heard them too. And if you have one of these objections, I'm going to challenge you at the end. But there's a few reasons why a person who called themselves a follower of Christ or a Christian have not been baptized. And I think the obvious one maybe is uh, they don't really understand the importance of water baptism. They simply haven't been taught, haven't been informed. And where else are you going to be informed? So we're going to talk about it this morning. When I was first saved, I, I, my, my pastor said that I should be baptized. You know, he sort of had this same kind of thing. We had a, had a sermon, and we said, you know, he said, you know, yeah, you've just chosen to follow Christ, and we're going to have a baptism, and you should be a part of that. We're going to have this, this service, this ceremony, and we're going to have people come, and you should come be baptized. And I said, why? I don't understand. Like, what? Why? And he cited a few things, and we had a few. Oh, okay. And I said, but you know what? I was baptized as an infant. I was baptized as an infant. And so, why should I be re-baptized, right? Like, what, what's the deal? And I know some of you may have that. You may have been baptized as a child or an infant. Um, you know, kind of like, that's what happened then. And you say, well, what if I was? You know, whatever your church background is, and I know a lot of people come from a lot of different church backgrounds that are here and watching, um, a lot of people have come in kind of contact with this infant baptism. I want to take a moment to sort of unpack the roots of infant why we even do that. Um so I'm going to mention a few different denominations this morning and it might cover several more, okay? The first one would be Roman Catholics, the Catholicism doctrine. The next we'll talk about the Lutherans and we'll throw in the Presbyterians there as well for good measure. Infant baptism is not found in the Bible. And I think that's really critical for people to understand. That infant baptism is not found in the Bible and neither is sprinkling of the water on people. In the Middle Ages, the Roman Catholic Church baptized infants by immersion. Immersion, immersing, that baptizo, the word that's used in Scripture, that full immersive experience, right? The, The Roman Catholic Church did that um, and it was only in 1311 at the Council of Ravenna that they began to sprinkle or pour over. And, and it was only because of necessity. The, the baptism that's mentioned in the scripture is always immersion. It's never sprinkled or poured. Um, and and these, are, these are methods of baptism, right? We sprinkle or we, we pour. And, and sometimes that's all that's available, and we understand that. We understand that. It's not the method of baptism, it's the, it's the obedient method. Um, uh, uh, sacrament of Baptism that we're talking about. So, there was a guy uh, that was dying. He was a Catholic guy, and he was a member of the Catholic Church. And he was dying in uh, right b- before 1311 when they decided that this was okay. But this man was it's primitive times, and he's dying in his home. And he says, "You know what? I can't. I can't die. I've never been baptized." And the teaching was, you needed to be baptized in the Catholic Church. You needed to be baptized. And this guy, we got to get him to the church. Well, in 1300, it wasn't real easy to just pack someone up and get them to the church. Especially if they're on their deathbed. So this guy's there dying. And so the church decided, the doctor said, if you move him, he will die. Like, if you transport this man, he will die. Desperate to be baptized. The church was desperate to meet that need in baptizing him. And so, not sprinkled, but they got all the water that they could carry. And they brought it to this man. And they said, you know what? We're going we're to make it seem like he was dunked. We're going to make it seem like it was immersion. They brought all of this water in and they poured it over this man. And they said, okay, he's baptized now. And it started from there. And then in 1311, the Council of Ravenna actually said, you know what, we don't need all that water. We can just do a little bit of water. And so they started to get away from uh, the immersion baptism. And the Roman Catholic doctrine says this, uh, getting back to infant baptism, that infant baptism, it says in their doctrine, is a ritual of regeneration that the infant is saved through baptism. If you're Catholic, you know that it's the sacraments of the church And participating in those, that is the means of grace or the means of salvation. And so Jesus' death on the cross merely gives you access to the sacraments of salvation. That's that that Roman Catholic teaching. There's a big difference between Roman Catholicism and Protestantism. Uh, They taught that, and still teach it today, the baptism. The water cleanses the baby from original sin. And furthermore, the Roman Catholic theology teaches that if a baby is not baptized and then it dies, that they go to a place called the limbo of the innocents. anybody ever heard that word, the limbo of the innocents? Yeah, that's what the, that's what their theology, their teaching, believes that there's a place that the baby will live forever, enjoying natural bliss without any vision or knowing or knowledge of God. And so they strongly encourage parents to baptize their infants to keep them from going to this sort of second place, a second class place that they should should die. See, the tragedy of that is, none of that is found in the scriptures. It's certainly not reflective of the heart of God. And somehow an infant would be placed uh, somewhere for eternity, a place like that. That's not in the scriptures. Martin Luther... The reformer, who essentially is the founder of Lutheranism and Protestantism, was strong on justification by faith, but he never disentangled himself from infant baptism. He was a Catholic monk that had some problems with the practices of the Catholic uh, tradition, and he broke away and said, no, this isn't how it's done. But he never really disentangled himself. So he wrote a book called The Small Baptismal Book, Martin Luther, And he stated that he believed baptism cleanses the baby of sin. And when he was asked how he could confirm that and still believe uh, justification by faith, he stated somehow that that infant must be able to believe. That's why Lutheran pastors actually close their baptism liturgy with a prayer like this, and this is a quote. Almighty God hath begotten thee anew through water and the Holy Spirit and has forgiven thee all thy sins, amen they're teaching that it that that it makes salvation possible and it's kind of sad because it's not in the scriptures there's nothing in the new testament uh, about salvation apart from a personal faith in the lord jesus christ nothing There's no infant baptism, not in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament. It's not commanded, it's not illustrated, it just isn't there. And those are the facts. Uh, Those in a Presbyterian background, I told you I was going to pick on everybody. So those in a Presbyterian background, and that's not Presbyterian church, that's the Presbyterian way of doing church. They would say, well, baptism, infant baptism is to the New Testament what circumcision was in the Old Testament. And then they would say that we baptize infants as a sign of the new covenant to which their parents are a part of, and which again is as simply as it's the doctrine of men. You will not, you will not find that in the Bible. And ultimately, what I would appeal to every single person is to consider that if, if it's not in the Bible, then we shouldn't build a doctrine on it, right? Right? It's not in the Bible. We should be careful about creating it as a theological practice. And the upshot of this is that people say, well, if I was baptized as an infant, the big question is, should I be rebaptized? Let me answer this. According to the New Testament, if you were not baptized following your personal decision to follow Jesus Christ, then it doesn't matter if you were baptized a thousand times as a baby, or if you were born in the ocean. The scriptural baptism is following your salvation. Is everybody clear? Everybody okay? Don't send me emails. Here's another reason people aren't baptized. Well, there's two and three. But number two is pride. Just simply pride. You know, we've gone long this whole time, maybe even walking with Jesus a long, long time without being baptized. And now for them to be baptized would kind of be an admission or a public profession of a long-term disobedience or ignorance. It's a command in Scripture. It's not something nice to do or an option. I just don't feel like it. Um, Some people would say, you know what, it's been this long, I haven't been baptized, so I'm just not going to get baptized. That's a pride issue. It would be a very humbling experience if humility is the opposite of pride. You okay? That says, you know what? I haven't done this, but I need to do this. Or there are some people that I've met, and you know what? They just say, you know what? Uh, it's just a pride issue. It just, I just don't want to. What if people see me wet? What if people see me wet? People assume you're going to be wet when you get baptized. It's okay. They're going to be praising God at your choice. They're going to be praising God at what you're doing and what He's going to do as a work in your life. Another reason that people aren't baptized is this is a very sobering one. It's number three. They realize that they're they're really not saved. They're really not. They thought they were a Christian because they came to church. But then they realize as they dig into this thing called baptism and the reason for it, maybe I'm not even, maybe I'm not where I need to be with God. Maybe I'm, we don't see a moving of the Spirit in their life. They just sort of go through the motions and they realize, you know what? I, I, I never did, I'm not even where I need to be. So that the Holy Spirit convicts them and says, you know what? Fulfill the commands of Christ. John 14:15 says this, "If you love me, keep my commands. You familiar with that? If you love me, keep my commands. But they have no desire for public um, profession of faith or baptism or you know the command to obey Christ because honestly they haven't settled it in their heart. They haven't actually surrendered to him and become an actual follower of Christ. They said, You know what? I don't have the the desire to do this because I'm not I'm not right with God. But if you're a believer this morning, a a Jesus follower, baptism is a command, and I'll show you that in the scripture. It's not it's not optional, it's not something that would be nice. It's not something you do when you feel ready. (laughs) It's something you do when you've been saved. It's something you do as soon as you've been saved. If if the scripture is our guide, would you agree this morning the scripture is our guide? There's no, not the Nazarene manual. I hope the DS isn't watching. It's not the manual, he would say that too. It's not our tradition. It's the scripture that is the guide. That is our roadmap. Those are our instructions from God. It's it's not something you have to deeply understand and all of this. The, The the believers that were baptized in the scriptures, they didn't take a class, they didn't sign up for a four week study on baptism. Every time I see it happen in the scripture, they believe and are baptized. You okay? That's what happens. We'll look at a few of them. But as we're going to see, you say you're saved, you're baptized. And so what I'd like to do for the remainder of this message, the next hour and a half or so, um, (laughs) pray for your children's workers. I'm going to just pose you some questions and then provide the answer. And hopefully when we're all said and done, that you'll be either convicted yourself or you'll be able to talk to people about the priority of baptism. Or if you're not or haven't been baptized, then maybe you'll see the value of getting baptized. So what is baptism. Do I have that? I don't. Sometimes I forget to put slides in. What is baptism? Physically, from a viewpoint, baptism is a ceremony during in which the person in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, is ideally immersed in water, submerged, baptizo in in the Scriptures. In the Greek, baptizo means submerge. It means to immerse. Ultimately, that's, that's uh, ideally the way we would baptize. And the primary, the primary word used um, in the New Testament in the Greek is that baptizo. And it's used 77 times in the New Testament. Do you think it might be a little bit important, right, that we kind of listen to this baptism thing? And it always means to submerge, to dip, to immerse. And immersion was the practice of the early church. Uh, it's the New Testament pattern for sure. Mark chapter 1. Um, we have John. That's John the Baptist, right? John appeared baptizing. And all the country of, U- of Judea and Jerusalem were going out to him or were being baptized by him in the River Jordan. Now, John's ministry was near the River Jordan. And John is John the Baptist, the baptizer, right? Right? So it would be fitting that someone with that last name, the Baptist, anything? No? It would be fitting that John the Baptist would have his ministry. Thanks, Frank, in the back. He's like, I got you. It would be fitting that the baptizer would be near water, right? That's where his ministry was. And so John was baptizing and he, was, he wasn't sprinkling. He was actually submerging people in the, in the river Jordan um, and they were confessing their sins. And then over in, uh, over in chapter 3, it says this, that John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim. This is another part of the Jordan River. If you look at the maps in the back of your Bible, if you have a paper Bible. Um, because water was plentiful there. Okay, it makes sense. Why did he need a lot of water, plentiful water? Um, because multitudes were coming to him and being baptized. You see in the book of Acts, um, remember this story, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. I love this story because it's such a picture of baptism and and how it happens. As Philip shares with him, he explains the book of Isaiah and the gospel message as he reads along. And, and the eunuch says, what is this that I'm reading? And the eunuch says... In Acts 36, 836, after Philip said, "This is the word of God, the Savior has come." and, and, and we believe that that's the, the, the moment that that eunuch was saved, he says, "You know what? That, I believe it. I believe," he says. And he says, what, what? "There's water here. See here is water. What prevents me from being baptized?" There was no class. There was no uh, waiting to get ready. There was no embarrassment. There was no nothing. This was a high-ranking official in the government, in their system of government, this eunuch that kept the... Uh, he was just answered to the queen, and it was a whole thing. And he says, you know what? There's water. See? Here's water. What's to prevent me from being baptized? And so, ver- two verses later, <laughs> and as he commanded the chariot to stop, they both went down into the water... Here we go. And Philip and the eunuch both went down into the water together, and he baptized him. You say, okay, we see that it was done in Scripture, and so um, we get that, we get that, but what's the purpose of baptism? Pastor, what is the purpose of baptism? Well, I'm glad you asked. Baptism is important not only because it's a command of Christ, it's a public declaration of your faith. Your identity with Christ, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ, but it's also an illustration of what happens to you in Christ. And this is why I suggest that if you're saying, well, uh, you know, hey, I'm really thinking about this, the 24th, I'm really thinking about getting baptized in this baptism service, I I would suggest to you that if you're contemplating that, that you invite every family member and every person you know to come and witness that, because especially if they're unsaved, to watch that, because it's a wonderful illustration about what Christ has done in you and for you. It's really a physical picture of a spiritual reality. Mark chapter 1 and verse 5 says this, And all the country of Judea and Jerusalem were going out to Him, and were being baptized by Him in the river Jordan. A lot of people were coming the multitudes were coming john is baptizing these multitudes and all of a sudden jesus shows up and and over in verse 9 it says in those days jesus from nazareth he came jesus of galilee and was baptized by john in the jordan now hold on you know the story sunday school people jesus wants john to baptize him And he says, John, I need to be baptized by you. And John says, hey, hold on a second, Jesus. Jesus says, your last name is the baptizer. Your last name is the Baptist. Like you're literally John the Baptist. Jesus says, I need to be baptized by you. And John says, hang on. I I need to be baptized by you. You don't have anything to confess, right? So previously when, when John was baptizing people, regular people, not Jesus, Everyone else, he, you know, he would be, they would baptize and confess their sins. That's what the scripture says. Jesus, and John says, you don't have anything, anything to confess. You should baptize me. And Jesus answers John with these words over in Matthew, his recording of this. He said, you know what? Let it be so for now. For it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus, why do you want me to baptize you, John said. Jesus says, hey, I know, I get it. You, you think I should baptize you, I understand. But it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John, he consented. Well, how did Jesus fulfill all righteousness? Well, he did that by dying on the cross. And so Jesus said, it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness so i need to be baptized so whatever baptism means the question you asked me a few minutes ago what's the purpose whatever that means somehow it's connected to what jesus did on the cross baptism in water is a symbolic is symbolic of jesus's death and his resurrection jesus understood it that way in luke 12 Jesus said these words, and, and, and when I read these words, I'm like, wait a second. He's going to be crucified. It's Easter, we're familiar with the story. We're go- he's going to be crucified, he's going to die, and he will be raised again. And he says this statement, concerning that, crucifixion, he said this, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. accomplished. Interesting choice of words. Wouldn't you agree? Interesting choice of words. Why not just say I have a, a crucifixion coming up. Or a death and resurrection to undergo. No he says I have a baptism to be baptized with. Because Jesus viewed his death on the cross as a dying and resurrection. And a baptism is the perfect picture of that. Baptism illustrates what Jesus did. And so when Jesus told John by being baptized that it would fulfill all righteousness, I hope you're putting these puzzle pieces together. He says, my baptism will be a symbolic illustration of that death and resurrection. And when you uh, you and I are baptized, that's exactly what happens. We're showing what happened to Jesus has happened to us. When you're baptized, you are identifying with Jesus. Romans chapter six, we see that we are buried through buried with Christ through baptism, and we are raised again to new life. And the principle we see there is that our salvation—we're no longer united, as Paul says, with the first Adam. Right? The the principle there is Romans chapter five says it talks about the first Adam who who committed the first sin and and caused the fall. But we are united at salvation with Christ. The new Adam, Paul says. And just like when Adam sinned in the garden, it's like what happened to him happened to us. When Adam sinned, we all sinned. But now we're in Christ. That's what happens when every sinner, incidentally, uh, comes to Christ. The Scripture says that's why we have all sinned, because Adam sinned. But the second Adam, the new man, we put our faith in him, what happened to Him happened to us. So when He died and was ro- ro- rose again on the third day, very much describes our human condition. Apart from Him, we are dead in our sin. Apart from Him, we are dead in our sin. But when we receive, when we receive Christ and put our faith in Christ, very much what He did on the cross is symbolic to us. We're dead in our sin. We receive him. We have The Bible says that we have the same power that, ro- that raised Jesus from the dead. It's like when he died, we can symbolize that to us being dead in our sin. And when he was resurrected, we come to him, our life is resurrected. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead. Baptism is a picture of that. You find that in Romans. You find it in Colossians. Here's Colossians. Look at this having been buried with Him. I know. That's my Philly accent. How do you guys say it? Buried. buried like, a, like a berry, strawberry. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, when you, with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith. In the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. There it is again. We were buried with him in baptism and raised with him through faith and the power of God. All right? The old man is dead. I said this in membership class. The old is gone, the new has come. So the question is another question is do you have to be baptized? To be saved. Well, some people say that baptism saves us. The Church of Jesus Christ would teach, uh, the Church of Christ, I should say, the actual denomination would teach that we are saved through baptism. Uh, And that is not found in the Scripture either. Um, let's look at another verse, well, I don't know if I have it, but Mark chapter 16 and verse 16, uh, there are other verses, but this is the common one, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned, the operative word there is believe, not baptized, so the word there is believe, if you believe you're saved, it has nothing to do with if you're baptized, baptism does not save anyone, But the relationship of baptism to salvation is similar to the relationship of obedience to salvation. If you're saved, you'll obey Christ. And therefore, you know, if you're saved, there will be fruit from your life that reflects your relationship with Jesus. James puts it this way, that without, put it this, this way, faith without works is dead. So if you're saved, you will see fruit, you will see works, you will obey in the same way, baptism, if you're saved, you will be baptized. You see the link there. I hope you do. Ephesians chapter 4. Some people said, lean on this verse. What about this? There is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. One salvation. In other words, because uh, if you were saved, you were baptized in, according to the Scriptures. So this is all sort of lumped in one long thing. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. It wasn't even a question um, to Jesus. When Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, it means to go and bring them to salvation, which will be demonstrated in a willingness to be baptized. It's sort of all one thing in Jesus' mind, in Jesus' teaching. Luke chapter 6. And this is where it all kind of comes home. And I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to pitch baptism or say that that's something that I think is a good idea. Hear me, church. It's not. But I want to shoot straight with you and, and demonstrate what the Bible says. Clearly, the Bible calls us to be baptized, right? Would you agree with all that, all the previous scriptures we read, and how it all happened in the, in the, the New Testament? This is what we are called to do. And if you call yourself a Christian this morning a follower of Jesus Christ, and you're not willing to be baptized or you've never been baptized, at some point, once you have all of the information in front of you and you say, you know what, I'm just not going to. I'm just not, I don't care really what anybody says. Preacher, you can say whatever you want. I'm just not going to do it. Then at some point, you have to question if you're following Christ or not. Because Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you to do? We're saved by grace through faith, plus or minus nothing. Make that clear. Baptism does not save you, but it does demonstrate your willingness to obey Christ. And I know it sounds a little heavy, but I want to shoot straight with you this morning. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I tell you? One last question, and we're done. One last question. Here it is. When should I be baptized? According to the Bible, and this is something I think for most Christians, that causes more people to delay um, their obedience to Christ. And the enemy loves that, by the way, if you put it off. Because delayed obedience often results in disobedience. Right? We put it off, we put it off, we put it off. Before long, we're not even thinking about it anymore. At some point... And at any point, you and I are knowingly not obeying Christ. The enemy loves that, and especially at a basic level like baptism. And so, what happens over time is there's this sort of uh, this sort of uh, uh, forgetfulness or, or putting it off, or well, let's just not even emphasize that anymore. And I don't know. Maybe that's why a lot of churches don't have baptistries anymore, and we don't emphasize it enough. I think we don't baptize enough. It really demonstrates your commitment. To Christ, the change that happened in you—it demonstrates that, and Christ has commanded it of us. Two sacraments: Lord's Supper and Baptism. So, when should I be baptized? Well, again, in Acts chapter sixteen, uh, Paul and Silas. I love this story. Y'all remember Paul and Silas? Paul and Silas are in prison. And they're thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. And their their legs are in stocks and they're beaten, and it's a bad deal. And Paul and Silas are in prison. So what do you do when you're beaten to a pulp and stuck in prison? Well, you start singing, right? He says, You know, Silas, let's let's start thanking God. Let's thank God in everything. Let's give thanks um, because you know what? Let's just start singing. What I mean, what else? Let's just start singing. So they start singing, they start praising God. And the the Bible says that the other prisoners were listening. You remember this story? Some of you are familiar with the story, yeah. Uh, So the other prisoners are listening in there, and they're singing in their cell, and they're chained up, and they're beaten, and they're bloody. And uh, at midnight, there was an earthquake. And and long story short, their chains fall off, the prison doors fly open, and the jailer, he's going to fall on his sword because he's in trouble because they all just got out and he was in charge. He's like, ah, this is the end for me. I might as well not even live. I'm going to get in such trouble. They're going to kill me. And so the doors fly open the, he, he, and the prisoners have all escaped. And Paul says, hey, we're, not, we're still here, jailer. Y- don't worry. We're still here. And in response, he, he brought them out and, 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 he said, and he looked at them and he said, you guys were in there singing? Something's different about you? Uh, What's going on? He says, what must I do to be saved? And then they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved along with everyone in your household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them. He washed their wounds. And then in verse 33, he said this, and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. Baptized. And he took them the same hour of the night, the same hour of the night, and washed their wounds, and he and all of his family were baptized. So when should you be baptized? Who said that? Immediately. It doesn't, it's not this big long drawn out, well, Pastor, let me pray about it. Do you know there are some things you don't have to pray about? Because they're commanded in Scripture. Well, let me pray about it. No, it's God's will. (laughs) They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and his whole family. And and even at that hour, in the middle of the night, you guys are saved, come on over, we're going to baptize you. Randy, would you come? And as we close this morning, when you get baptized, you're saying to God, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm fully committed to following you, Lord. And I'm following what you've commanded me to do. I'm fully committed to you, Lord. And when God, when God sees your obedience, there's enough saints in this church to know this. When God sees your obedience, especially maybe in baptism. you'll start to realize the blessing of God in your life. It's just the way it is. Not that we deserve reward or because of what we do God shows us His favor. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is when you make that decision to whatever it is, but in, in our in our talk today it's baptism. But when, when you make that decision to follow His command, say, you know what? God, I'm going to do what you told me to do. Then you start to realize the blessing of God even more and more. That's just what happens. Would you stand this morning? And again, it's not some hard pitch for baptism. I, I, I say I don't care, but I mean, you know, that's such a personal thing. If you want to get baptism, if you want to get baptized, that's that's up to you. I'm just telling you what the Scriptures say. And if God's lay that on your heart, just know that we have room for you. At the end of the month, we have this baptism service. We have room for you. I think it's very clear in the Scriptures that God wants us to be baptized. He commands us to be baptized and doesn't want us to wait any longer so would you pray with me this morning bow your heads really it's a point in the service that we ask the Holy Spirit what are you saying to me not because some preacher said some words but what does the word of God say and what Lord are you saying to me Holy Spirit in this moment right now maybe some things have been cleared up maybe you've been wanting to hear this for a long long time Maybe some things through the Scripture have been cleared up for you and you say, you know what? I need to be baptized. It was never explained that way. I never realized that the Word of God was so clear and was was so... It was a command. It was just right there the whole time. After you get saved, you get baptized. After you submit to Christ, you get baptized. It's just the way it is. And realize the blessing of God and show others, you know what? I follow Christ. Dead to sin, alive in Christ, the whole symbolism that happens. Jesus thought it was as important as the the death, burial, and resurrection because that's what He said He had to go through. He thought it was as important as the Great Commission. How are you going to demonstrate this this calling of people and making disciples through the nations? Well, we're going to baptize them. That's what we're going to do. So take a moment, sort of take inventory of your life. And join me in prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord, for each person who has gathered and each person, Lord, who has received your word this morning. And God, I pray that We would all realize the simplicity of what baptism is and God, how you've commanded it in Scripture. We would understand, Lord, that you've commanded this of us and for us to be obedient to that. So, Father, I submit to you this morning, this congregation. Those joining us online. And Holy Spirit, what are You saying to us? How have You moved in this service? How have You moved through Your Word this morning? God, that we would be obedient to Your Word. And that God, we would answer that command and and fulfill, Lord, that command that You've given all of us to be baptized. Not begrudgingly, Lord, but willingly. Willingly. That we would go before everybody that we could get to come and say, I follow Jesus and here's what I'm doing to demonstrate that. The old has gone. The old man, the sinful man is put to death in the waters and come up cleansed and, and with newness of life. The old is gone, the new has come. We are new creations. God, it symbolizes, Jesus, Your death, and Your resurrection. And that's what's happened to us. Apart from You, Lord, we are dead in our sins. Yeah, Your Word says that we have all sinned because of what Adam has done. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory. But thank You, Jesus, that as the Apostle Paul called You, Jesus, the the second Adam, who gives us new life through your resurrection. The same power that you were used to arise from the grave is the same power that is alive in us. God, what better way to show that to the world than to be baptized. Thank you for meeting us here this morning, God. If there's one in here that is absolutely not sure about this whole salvation thing, and, and God, I, I pray that you would speak to hearts this morning. And if there's anyone here in the sound of my voice, you all know we didn't come here by accident. So with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, nobody looking around, nobody going to embarrass anybody, but maybe you need to take that first step and begin that relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe that's a second step of baptism for you. But you say, Pastor, I need to take the first step first. (laughs) I need to put my faith and trust in the God of the universe, my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Begin a new work in me and I surrender to Him this morning. If that's you this morning to take that first step, I won't embarrass you, but I would pray for you. Just raise your hand this morning and slip it up and say, Pastor, that's me this morning. Pray for me. I need to take that first step. We'll talk about baptism for you in a little while. But you need to take the first step in trusting Jesus with your life and putting your faith in Him. Is that you this morning? Did you gather here today? Because God has drawn you to this place to draw you to Himself. If that is you, just say, Pastor, that's me. Just by just raise your hand a little bit. And I'll pray for you. If God has spoken to you this morning to be baptized, don't leave here until we talk about the God, uh, the end of the month. So, Father, with all hearts and minds clear this morning, I pray, Lord, that whatever, whatever You've laid on people's hearts, Lord, that they wouldn't leave here the same as they came in, and that, Lord, they would surrender to You whatever command You have given them regarding baptism. If there are more questions and answers, God, I pray that You would bring s- s- the clarity to their hearts through Your Word and through what we shared with this morning. Father, I thank You for the gift of baptism. What a wonderful, wonderful way, Lord. We can show the world that we are dead to sin and alive in Christ. I thank you for the freedom that that brings. God, would you meet us all here right where we are this morning? And, and Lord, Holy Spirit, would you quicken our hearts to be obedient to you? God, I don't know if it's young. I don't know if it's older people. I don't know who you've spoken to this morning. But there's no age limit on baptism and so father if you've spoken to hearts i thank you this morning lord would you go with us as we depart from this place but may we not depart from your presence thank you for bringing us here this morning and hearing from your word thank you holy spirit for doing what you do so well and speak into our hearts Go with us, Lord, as we depart and bring us back refreshed and renewed, Lord, ready to receive from you again what you would have for us. In Jesus' precious and powerful name we pray and for his sake. And everyone said amen and amen. Thank you all. for.